Just one other note to pass along. We have a couple of our staff members, Genevieve Beauchamp and, and Sarah Sobolewski are starting to attend some seminary classes to kind of round out their education and, and to support their ministry here. And so we ask that you keep them in your prayers as they take that journey over the course of uh, whatever time they choose to spend uh, exploring uh, their seminary education. Our scripture lesson today is again informed by the lectionary. We are in the gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter, a very familiar story, the story of the Good Samaritan, one that you've heard preached from this pulpit many a time. And uh, to preface that story, we go to another story in Luke's gospel, the second chapter of Luke, beginning at the eighth verse. Hear the word of God. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of a great joy, which will be for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known the saying which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Our second lesson, as I mentioned, is from Luke chapter 10, beginning at the 25th verse. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he, he, he was moved with pity. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds and 
having poured oil and wine on them, he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Give us faith and courage, O Lord, to do likewise. Allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. The text I just read from Luke's gospel, the first text from Luke chapter 2, along with the carol that we will be singing in a few minutes, may be a little disorienting for some of us. We might wonder how such stories and songs can be shared when poinsettias are not in view. It may not seem right to hear Bethlehem angels when the thermometer is making its way past 90. Reminds me of the story my father would tell of when he was in seminary and was a student one summer and had been asked to lead worship and preach as a fill-in for a vacationing pastor in some little town in western Pennsylvania. He did his best to guide the little congregation through the service and tried his hardest to preach a stem winder of a sermon enough to distract the weary worshipers from the growing heat of the unair conditioned convection oven of a sanctuary. And when he finished the sermon, he noticed that he hadn't brought up to the pulpit with him the number for the last hymn. And since there were no bulletins, he thought it was safe just to announce a random hymn number out of the hymnal. Rookie mistake. Let's stand up and sing hymn number 134, he said. And with that, the organist began playing the first few measures of O Little Town of Bethlehem. <laughs> Despite the unseasonality of Luke's story and the accompanying carol, still maybe it's not a bad idea halfway through the year, six months past Advent and Christmas, to look back and hear again how the whole life and ministry and mission of Jesus got started. Free from the distraction of mistletoe and malt cider and Mr. and Mrs. Claus, perhaps we can hear more clearly what the whole Jesus thing was supposed to be about. Be not afraid, said the angel, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will be for all the people that unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly, Luke tells us, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among God's people. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. This little baby is coming into the world, all glory be to God, and the whole point of his coming into the world is to bring peace, to bring peace to the human condition. This is the vision, if you were, of heaven. This is the mission of Jesus. This is the whole point of the story. Glory to God and peace on earth. 
The great movements and events of history begin with casting a dream and a vision. Fifty-eight years ago, a young, newly elected president stood before both houses of Congress and cast before the country a vision to send a man to the moon. I believe, said John F. Kennedy, that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. It was an astounding vision, an almost impossible challenge, but the young president thought it worth channeling the best and the brightest resources toward this incredible feat of science and human will. We choose not to go to, we choose to go to the moon, Kennedy said later, not because it's easy, but because it's hard, because the goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills, because the challenge is one that we are willing to accept, we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. And so from that point, all resources necessary, all people necessary, all taxes necessary went toward the mission of sending a man to the moon. And there was no doubt or debate as to what the whole point was. Everybody had their part to play in this great dream and vision. When a group of dignitaries were touring the offices of NASA and they came upon a man fixing something up in the ceiling, they asked him what he was doing and he said, I'm helping to send a man to the moon. One dream, one vision. And we know the rest of the story eight short years later. The Saturday, the 50th anniversary through tests and trials and failures and loss of human life. The world gathered around their black and white TVs, I can remember as if it were yesterday, and watched Neil Armstrong descend that ladder off the lunar module and jump onto the dusty face of the moon. And we heard him say, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, one small step for a man. Armstrong actually said a man, but the transmission only picked up man. One small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. One small step can also be one giant leap. But there is no step. There is no leap without a vision. Without a young president daring the nation to dream of something seemingly impossible to do, almost as if he had heard the proverbialist warning, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so that brings us back to those Bethlehem angels high up in the night sky, chanting the vision of heaven. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Glory to God and on earth, peace. But saying it doesn't make it so. And so we follow the story as we see that Bethlehem child grow and take his first steps. And we listen as he says his first words. And we watch as we see the paths he chooses to walk. And we begin to see that this giant leap of mankind, this vision for peace on earth, we see how it happens one small step 
at a time. That's what we see Jesus doing, one small step at a time. We see Jesus taking his steps toward the unclean and the unlovable. One small step, but a giant leap. The religious people say, you can't do that, Jesus. That's not right, Jesus. That's not the way things are supposed to be, Jesus. But Jesus keeps stepping into this way of peace. And with each small step comes a giant leap for humankind. Jesus puts his hand on contagious lepers. Jesus kneels before adulterous women. Jesus walks into brothels of prostitutes. Jesus invites himself into the home of cheating tax collectors. Jesus steps up the hill of Golgotha with a cross on his back and thorns in his scalp, one small step at a time, which turned into one giant leap for humankind. And then he turns the story around on us. When the lawyer asked Jesus, now really, what is this all about? What is this whole thing about? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story in line with those angels. And he tells them the story about peace on earth. He tells them the story about the small step and the giant leap. He tells them the story about a man down on his luck, the man who wasn't very careful, the man who shouldn't have known, should have known better that he shouldn't go down to the road to Jericho by himself. And look what it got him. It got him beaten by robbers and left for dead. And so the religious people walk by, and it might as well have been a leper or a prostitute or a tax collector or some immoral person, the way they saw him, the way they ignored him, the way they passed by on the other side. Small steps, Jesus says, but in the wrong direction. But then comes the Samaritan, another one of those people the religious people didn't like, that the religious people were afraid of. One of those people on the other side of the cultural canyon. One of them. Then comes the Samaritan. And Jesus says, and he, of all people, was moved with pity. And he took a step. He stepped toward the man. He stepped toward the beaten man. One small step, one giant leap for humankind, one giant leap for peace on earth, and the angels sing. And that's the way it's always going to be, right? It's the whole point of the story that the song of peace is always about the one person taking the one step. It's the way God works. The heavenly host sing their song and God shows up in flesh and says, here's how it works. One step at a time. One step toward. One step in the right direction and glory to God and peace on earth. Did you read a couple years ago about the Austrian refugee convoy? When the word got out that the Hungarian government was not allowing refugees inside their country to board trains to go to Austria to find there a better life, a group of Austrian Good Samaritans organized a convoy of cars to drive into Hungary to meet up with the refugees because there wasn't a law against driving them into Austria. So they picked up hundreds of refugees and drove them to the safety of their own country. One small step 
one giant leap for humankind and the angels saying glory to God and peace on earth. When Michael Weiser, a Jewish cantor, <clears throat> and his wife Julie moved into their new home in Lincoln, Nebraska, little did they know that they had moved next door to Larry Trapp, Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. As soon as the Weisers moved in, they began to get threatening phone calls from Larry Trapp, messages left on their voicemail filled with venomous, hateful epithets. The Weisers grew afraid, called the police, had their phones tapped for evidence they might need in the future. But then, rather than trying to run away, Michael and Julie decided to reverse course and try the other thing, stepping toward the beaten man. Michael started calling the Grand Dragon's hate hotline and would leave messages of grace and mercy. He called about 10 times, told his wife that if Larry should ever call back, they should just try to say something nice. Well, he did call back eventually, filled with hate and unrepeatable names. And this time, Cantor Michael Weiser felt led to say this, Larry, I know you have some physical disabilities. Larry had lost a leg to diabetes. Can I take you, he said, to the store and buy you some groceries? The other side of the line was silent. Eventually, he refused the offer. Long story short, more messages back and forth, hate versus grace. Eventually, Larry called again and asked if he could see the Wisers in his house. So the Wisers prepared a little dinner to take to Larry and also took with them a silver ring out of Julie's jewelry box. She thought it might be a little peace offering. Before they walked out the door, they called some friends and said to them that if they didn't hear from them by the end of the evening, they should call the police. So off they went into the dragon's den. By the end of dinner, Larry had removed the two swastika rings he was wearing and put on the silver ring. The neighbors began to be neighbors. Not long after, Larry received a terminal prognosis and his last remaining months he spent with the Wisers who took the Grand Dragon into their home and cared for him until the end. That's one small step for a man and for a woman and one giant leap for humankind and the angels sing glory to God and on earth peace. Miroslav Volf, the Yale theologian, relays the story of his friend Esther who fell victim as a child to the neglect of her alcoholic mother. Eventually at the age of nine she was abandoned by her mother and left to fend for herself and trying to figure out how to be a girl and how to be a young woman. And she was happy over the years to erase from her mind any semblances of her mother to walk away. But when she got to her mid-twenties, she realized that after so many steps away from her mother, that now was the time to begin to walk back. So she drove to the Iowa town where her mother lived and stepped up to the doorstep and rang the doorbell. And with that started a conversation, a hard conversation, commenced by her asking her mother's forgiveness for staying so far and long away. 
which broke open the door for her mother to ask forgiveness in return. That's one small step for a young woman and one giant leap for humankind. And the angels sing glory to God and on earth peace. So the truth is, Jesus says, we're all walking down this road to Jericho. And the truth is, he says, we've all got these people to which we may feel no obligation. Maybe they're strangers, maybe they're foreigners, maybe they're people of other color, maybe they're enemies, maybe they need forgiveness, our forgiveness, maybe they're poor, maybe they're at the border, maybe they're down on their luck, maybe they've neglected us. God knows what they've done and God knows all the reasons why we step away. But let's not forget that is not the angel's song. That's not what happened in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, God, Paul says, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God in Bethlehem stepped forward. In Bethlehem, the herald angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. It takes a vision. It takes a vision to send a man up to the heavens. And it takes a vision to bring a man from the heavens to step onto our dusty soil. For where there is no such vision, the people perish. One small step, one small step forward for you and me, and in turn, a giant leap for humankind. And above, the angels sing.